Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and joining me is LPJ professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts. We're broadcasting live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network, bringing you some of the best golfers, teaching professionals, and entrepreneurs helping to elevate women's golf. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning, so grab your coffee and let's get started. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside is Legends Tour player and LPGA professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, as always, and uh, I know that you're doing uh, equally as well, and we're very, very excited uh, once again to be here on a Tuesday morning. Uh, and we've got a great show for you coming up. Uh, our guest is going to be a little bit uh, uh, late coming out, uh, and uh, I'll tell you a little bit about him in a few moments, but uh, his name is Dr. Ken Keyes. Uh, he's a Ph.D. Uh, speaker, uh, author, podcast host, and coach, and he'll be joining us uh, in a few moments, and uh, I will, as I said, tell you a little bit more about him, but we're very, very excited. Uh, as I mentioned last week, we're in our seventh season here on the Women of Golf Show, so we're very, very excited about that. And I guess while we wait for Ken to come out, uh, Cindy, you and I will enter into the no BS zone, I guess we'll, we'll call this, <laughs> this this morning. Um, and, I, and I thought of something really uh, – anyways, uh, how are you doing, by the way? I'm doing well. And you? I'm doing very well. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, were you not or are you just getting ready to go down? Um, you had in February a um, – Boot camp, correct? Two boot camps, yes. Two. Are, are you just getting to, to go now? Yeah, we're leaving Thursday. We've got two oh, boot okay. camps, a junior boot camp first for three days, and then we've got an adult boot camp for four days at Orange County National in Orlando, Florida. Yes, very, very good. Yeah, it's a great facility, too. Um, I had never actually been there before. Um, I didn't actually, you know, in past times when I've been to the, um, the PJ show, which of course you and I, uh, were at this season, um, I never made it out to the demo days. I didn't really just, you know, I, I just sort of hung around the, uh, the, the main hall, if you will. Uh, but this season I decided to go and I'm telling you, it was as windy as one could imagine. Uh, I felt kind of bad. It was sunny, but it was just really windy and, and of course cold, uh, as it typically sometimes is in, in, uh, in January, but, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was interesting to see some of the, the latest and greatest. And that brings me to what I wanted to talk about while we wait for Ken to come on board uh, in a few moments. Um, you know, there's been that, that sort of conversation happening again. I don't know if you've picked it up and, or not, Cindy, but I thought it was one for you and I maybe to, to talk a little bit about. And, and it's really two parts. One is equipment and the other is golf course. Um, the first part of it is, is equipment. I've, I've, you know, we, We've heard many, many years uh, great uh, players like Nicholas and, and many others talk about that they felt the equipment was getting um, to a point where, uh, you know, the ball was, was going a mile and it was, just, it was just making the golf ball particularly 
Uh, there was been a lot of controversy as, as to whether it was making many uh, great golf courses here uh, in the U.S. and around the world obsolete. I want to get your, uh, your thoughts on that, and then I'm going to mention to you the other uh, issue with the golf course. Uh, what are your thoughts with the equipment? Do you think that we maybe have gone too far uh, with the technology that it's just making it to a point where, um, you know, a lot of people are, are just belting it a mile and it's making a lot of golf courses just not, um, you know, up to snuff, so to speak? Well, I personally have never had that challenge. I've always tried <laughs> to purchase yardage. Right. <laughs> um, and But I must tell you that I was fit for the new Callaway Maverick Irons a month ago. Oh. And the track man was telling me that I was hitting my 7-iron, or their 7-iron, 149 yards. And wow. I can tell you that I have never hit a 7-iron 149 yards. And so when we ordered the irons, I asked our rep about the hybrids, and he said, well, I don't think I would order anything. And, again, I'm looking forward to going to Florida because I'm going to play this weekend. Because right. I think you're going to hit these irons so much farther than you've ever hit that we don't want to order hybrids because we don't know what, how far everything's going to go. And I'm like, right. good point. So <laughs> that being said, um, if that's the case, then, yeah, I would tell you that that's a fact that the equipment is definitely going too far. And the 7-iron probably bent like a 5-iron, right? Right, right. And then it's got a, a hot shaft on it, if you will. And, yeah, so who knows? But I've never had the problem, no. to be honest with you. Right. Yeah, I, I, know you're, I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, I, I think it's um, – <clears throat> pardon me. I, I think it's, it, it's good in some ways. I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of game improvement with some of the equipment out there. It's helped uh, people, especially in the irons, it's helped people to uh, be a little bit more accurate. It's certainly not going to, uh, you know, cure everything. Uh, you still have to obviously – uh, understand the basics and the fundamentals and that, but it certainly does help uh, on mishits and things like that. But I think really where you see the biggest gains has been obviously at the tour level uh, and the professionals. Um, you know, they're able to, I mean, it's just ungodly what some of these guys uh, and gals are hitting uh, off the tee and, and, uh, and what they're approaching the greens with, with the equipment. So I think at the professional level, uh, I would like to see them, um, not drastically, but I would like to see them scale it back a little bit because I, I think that they have gotten to a point where it is just, you know, it, it, it's almost gotten to a pitch and putt uh, show, if you will. They're, they're exactly, all coming exactly. in with, with, with wedges to every, you know, to every green. And, and, and my, I mean, I, listen, you know, as well as I do, Cindy, we both love golf. We wouldn't be in the business that we're in, but when you, you watch the tournaments every weekend and you're seeing them basically hitting two or three clubs in their golf bag um, out of 14, it, it gets boring. I'll be honest. It's boring because there, there's no challenge anymore. There doesn't seem to be, um, it's all about power and about distance. And for me, it's just not as, as exciting. Now it's not as noticeable um, on the ladies tours because they traditionally uh, don't hit quite as far as the men do. But again, they're playing, a little bit closer up in some cases um, than obviously what the men are, but uh, you know, you're not seeing as big of a, a, an impact, I don't think, but, um, but definitely on the men's tour. I mean, it's gone to the point now where it's just, you know, uh, it's just ridiculous. Um, 
what are your thoughts on that? Would you like to see them make changes, do you think, um, at the pro level, maybe adjust the equipment somewhat so it's not going quite as far? I, they're never going to do that just for pro equipment. There's no way. There's no way. And, and again, you've got to stop and remember, when I played on the LPGA Tour, we didn't work out. You know, we were – we never worked out. And well, maybe once in a while, but now, I mean, there's a fitness trailer, there's a, a physical therapist, there's a chiropractor, they've got a traveling medical team going with the tour every week to make sure that these players are in optimal health or optimum health. And so, um, it's they're stronger, they hit it better, they've got a coach for everything. I, you know, and still some guys hit it longer than others. I mean, there's still a, a difference between, you know, a Jim Furyk and a Dustin Johnson, if you will, right. or a Webb Simpson and a, and a Justin Tom, Thomas. If you saw that at the Hawaiian Open or the Tournament of Champions, Patrick Reed out driving yep. Justin by 30, 40 yards. So that's always going to happen, but they will never change the equipment just for the professionals. No. And, and again, it's not just the equipment, it's the ball. Everybody wants to hit it right. further. I mean, they, they've had to right. change golf courses. So, yeah. yeah I and, and, I, they're you, never you know, going to do that just for pros. And, and to be honest with you, I think enough is enough. You know, they have to regulate. I'm all for regulating with all the right. manufacturers. But that's about, you know, you just can't well, keep making golf courses longer. Right, right. And, and you know, we, we've seen what's happened over, over you know, the last uh, decade or so since, particularly since Tiger came on the scene, what they've done to Augusta National. I mean, they've made a lot of modifications to Augusta just to be able to accommodate, um, you know, driver, you know, obviously he's not the most accurate on tour, but, you know, he can belt it a mile. Um, and then you had, you know, players like Bubba Watson and, 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 and others that have come out and just, you know, basically cutting the corner off a of very hole. Um, and, and just able to, to get it down so close to the green that it, it you know, it's, it's just not, certainly Augusta is always going to be a challenge, but it makes it less challenging when, you know, you've got players hitting it that far. And you're, you're exactly right. The golf ball is another area. And that's one area that, that Jack really, and Nicholas, of course, I'm talking about, really talked about over the years is that he felt that the golf ball, uh, the technology that was being put into it now uh, was so much so, that uh, it, it was just making a lot of golf courses obsolete. And, I mean, you know, when you look back at the stats, I mean, you know, when he was playing, they were hitting it pretty far. I mean, they were hitting at 275 plus, uh, 285 in, in some cases. And when you consider the equipment they were using at the time, um, you know, that's pretty darn far, uh, even by today's standards. So, um, you know, it's not just the equipment. Uh, as you said, it's the, the golf ball as well. And, and one last thing, and I just want to touch on this. I see that Ken's on board, so we'll bring him out here in just a couple of minutes. But the other area is the golf course they've talked about uh, for years as well. And, and now I'm sort of digressing a little bit to the amateur side of things. Um, gosh, a lot of these golf courses out there that they've built over the last couple of decades are just, in my opinion, too tough for the average player. Um, I mean, the professionals have, have their own issues out there, um, but they're better equipped to handle it. What are your thoughts about the golf course? Are, have we been making them too tough for the recreational golfer? And do we need to start changing uh, some of our future models? I'm not saying get rid of uh, what we've already got out there, but maybe adding to the, the um, uh, canvas, if you will, and not making them so tough. What are your thoughts? I agree 
But on the other hand, you're saying, on one hand, you're saying that the golf ball is going too far because of the club. And then the next minute you're saying the golf courses are too tough. So here's what I believe. We need to educate the player and make sure they're aware that they should play the tees that fit them. And you're going to always have the big boys with the egos that say, well, I'm not playing from there. But U.S. Right. Kids Golf has got the whole thing right. They they allow these children to play from tee boxes that they can reach the green. So they believe that mm-hmm. everyone should be able to shoot even par. And I just purchased Operation 36, and mm-hmm. all players are required to start at 25 yards away from the hole, and they have to right. shoot 36 before they can move up to the next level. So once you know you get to a point where you can't reach the greens, you need to go back up a tee. That's my opinion. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I don't want to see them start making drafts. I mean, you know, golf courses have been what they've been. Um, obviously, you know, they, they've made them more challenging in a lot of ways. I think it's really been more for beautification. I mean, if you look at some of the, the more modern-day golf courses, um, especially some of the resort courses now, I mean, they're just – it's like a work of art um, in some cases. So I don't really want to see a lot of change, and I think you you hit it spot on. I think we have to educate the uh, consumer and and get away from the stigma of you know moving up a, a tee box or even two tee boxes. Um, you know, put away the egos as you suggest, and and let's be realistic in in our play. You know, if you're a long hitter and you're accurate, uh, and you typically score well, you know, and if you want to challenge yourself a little bit more, um, there's nothing wrong with playing a little bit further back. But if you're a 25 handicap, you've got no business playing uh, from the champions uh, tees, uh, in my opinion, or the championship tees. Uh, you need to move it up. Um, you know, you're not you're you're not doing anything but but slowing up the play, and that that also will help, I think, too, Cindy, with slow play. This is another issue as well. Is this is why it's taking five six hours for people to finish their rounds is because they're playing from a distance that they're not competent enough or capable of, of executing good golf shots from, and they're just slowing up everybody behind them. What do you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, I've often said, gee, I ought to walk up there and give them a business card. <laughs> I can help them play better. <laughs> you, you might need to put a billboard or something up at Orange County and say <laughs> CindyMiller.com. Um, all right. Uh, we, we will uh, we'll leave the, the no BS zone, if you will. I think that's it. we got to have that. We've we got to put that in, in the show, I think. We've got to have a, a no BS zone, if you will. Uh, we've got to add that to our, our show uh, schedule each week. I think it would be fun and just have a, a, some light conversation. All right, we've got a, a great guest this morning, uh, Dr. Ken Keese. Uh, he is a foremost global authority on behavioral assessment uh, strategies and processes. Uh, he's also an expert in leadership, uh, purpose, and wellness, and he has authored over 4 million works of content, including 500 articles, uh, four books, and a dozen assessments. Uh, he is the president and CEO of Consulting Resource Group International, Inc., or CRG for short, And he also hosts his own podcast, Secrets of Success. And who doesn't want to know those secrets? So, uh, Cindy, let's uh, welcome our very special guest this morning, Dr. Ken Keyes. Good morning. Good morning, Cindy. How are you doing? We're doing great. And we're so glad you got up really early for us. Well, (laughs) there we go. I don't know if I'm actually up. I think this just could be a recording. Ah, okay. (laughs) Well, here's a side note. You're both Canadian, so you should be big oh. friends by the time we're done. Well, well yeah. uh, by the way, I'm not sure if your business card's going to help me shoot better. 
Well, you have to do something about it, dear. You have to pick oh, up the phone and come in for a lesson. <laughs> well, I know I'm invited, Cindy, for sure, for sure. Yes. So can you let's let's get started. Can you tell us what you do and why you do it? Well, I think it's short. This is actually my, uh, like you, I've been in this business for a bit, so it's 30, 31 years. Uh, our number one purpose is to help other people to live, lead, and work on purpose and to really help them to realize their potential. So you help people with their potential on the golf course. We do it in life and in business. So our tools and resources help people to get clear, to benchmark their capabilities in different areas. And we do that globally in 30 countries. That's awesome. Awesome. Now, how did you get started? I actually started on a dairy farm, so it's really close. It's the transitions just go straight across. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually knew I, I knew when I was a young kid that <clears throat> I, excuse me, um, enjoyed speaking. And so I was doing a lot of emceeing, even when I was 17, 18, 19, in community groups. And I actually had my own dairy farm in my late 20s. And I got up one morning and I asked the question, I said, if I was still doing this 20 years from now, would that be okay? And I said, absolutely not. So I went and bought a – I was doing sales for an agriculture company, and then I bought a sales training um, franchise. And then it just transitioned from there. I was mentored by Dr. Terry Anderson, who founded CRG, and then I bought the company from him just under 20 years ago. Wow. So it's more like being an entrepreneur and knowing what you want and taking control and doing it. For sure. And I, I think what happens, you know, even in North America and the U.S. and Canada, I think we have a as, good as opportunity or maybe Australia as any countries in the world, you know, to go down the route that we want to go down. And in spite of all this opportunity, you know, the majority of people still dislike what they do from mildly irritate to load. It's like 80, 85%. So there's very few people that are in this passionless sweet spot and, you know, pardon for the, uh, the golf metaphor, you know, that sweet shot, <laughs> but sweet spot. And, um, it's actually a sad situation. So the last research is that around only 10% of people just absolutely love, are engaged in work, enjoy what they're doing. And um, I mean, really, we just help people in that space. So then nowadays, and if you think about coaching, even for golf, golf's such a mental game, is life's a mental game too. So how can we help people to be more emotionally intelligent, uh, socially aware, socially awake, better leaders, and um, I'm just passionate about that. I, I don't even know exactly where it comes from, but my purpose is to help others to live, lead, and work on purpose. That's awesome. Ted? Um, well, good morning, Ken, and, and thank you for, for joining us. And uh, as Cindy pointed out, my name is Ted Odorico, and I am also a fellow Canadian, so let me get that out of the way first. Uh, whereabouts are you from, Ken? I'm in Vancouver, so just an hour out of Van- downtown Vancouver actually born in the uh, city of Abbotsford. So I think you know a guy, Nick Taylor, who yes. uh, just won his first event. So he plays in a course, or his home course is about eight minutes from my house. Okay, very good. 
Um, I'm uh, originally from Ontario. Of course, now I reside in the U.S. here. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's amazing, you know, how many – I never really realized this, um, but just how many Canadians are – uh, in the golf business, not just in the teaching side, but in, in other areas. And obviously, I know you're not uh, in the golf business per se, but um, it, it's just interesting. It was, it was kind of a, a small world, if you will. I, I want to ask you something because you, you mentioned a couple of points, about self-awareness and, and emotional intelligence. And, and you're exactly right in your point. I think most people don't understand really the important aspects of golf. They focus too much on, on uh, the detail of their golf swing, how to hit it better. And obviously, those issues are important but getting out there really on the golf course the, the purpose is to master the course if you look at some of the best players uh, i mentioned some earlier you know tiger and so forth they are masters out in the golf course um, tiger is certainly not the best ball striker we've seen much better out there but he masters around the golf course so if somebody's listening to the show this morning and and wants to have a better awareness out there and wants to sort of clear their mind of, of the clutter and, and all of that what are some things that, that you would suggest to them or, or you would maybe encourage a, a coach or a teacher like Cindy uh, to relay to their students? Well, that's like a small question for my psychology degree. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, good question, Ted. Yeah, I think all of us, you know, the, here's, here's, the, here's the interesting research. Now, there, Cindy, you were talking about the medical team. But it's also the sports psychologist, right? So, and, and why is that? Because people, they get in their head. You know, we're big tennis fans. So we just watch what happens there and, and how people kind of manage their emotions. Uh, here's the latest research, which is, applies globally to our life, is that, uh, and that, Dr. Tasha did this work in her book, Insights, is now a New York Times bestseller is that what percentage of people believe that they know themselves and how they see themselves, Ted, and how they come across is congruent with how others' mm -hmm. people's opinion about them or how I experience you. So what percentage do you think that is, Ted? I would say very, very high. Um, I would say probably 90%. You're uh, very close, 95%. So 95% believe that they know themselves. And then what Tasha did with her students said, okay, let's go and interview people, all of Cindy's friends, of course, and say, what mm -hmm. do they really think about her and how she comes across compared to her opinion? And the congruence, meaning how people experience you and how you come across with your opinion, only 10% was their alignment. So when we think about wow. this, this business of wow. – yeah, so 85% of people are deluded or they're actually not even – they don't even know that they don't know that they don't know. So one of the areas when we think about, you know, sports psychology or, you know, playing better or being better in life is that we just have to be open to this idea that we might not know ourselves. And then what we do in our assessments around personality or values or even things like self-worth, uh, I suspect – and then Cindy was, of course, uh, you were a great guest on our show, Cindy, is where a lot of times people uh, discount their own capabilities or discount. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've, I'm sure you've had people who've coached, oh, I'll never be good at this game or I really suck or whatever. And they're in their right. head. So part of this is getting people to get clear um, about who they are, what they bring. And uh, quite frankly, and again, this is a sad situation. People, most people don't know 
what they don't know. So personality plays into it. Uh, there's some biophysical things that link back into it. So some people's sort of physical capacity for stress is greater than others. And then how do I manage that? Uh, some people, let's say I have a value of tranquility, but I'm always in a conflict kind of situation. Well, then uh, day in and day out, that is eroding my soul. So I'm not going to be able to be engaged, and I'm not going to be able to, to sustain that engagement. So even when people are, let's say I love golf, but you know the career that I choose in where I fit is whole, there's all kinds of different opportunities within the industry. So maybe I'm an equipment repair person, which is mostly dealing with sort of those technical aspects versus a coach mm-hmm. helping with this individual. Right, right, exactly. You know, and, and you, you raise an interesting point, too, about, you know, personalities and, and you know, mindfulness. One of the things that I noticed, and Cindy, I, I think you might agree with this, is one of the problems that a lot of golfers have is they, they bring a lot of baggage to the golf course, and it can be a variety of things. It can be issues going on at work. It can be issues that um, maybe from past rounds of golf that they're, they, they just don't seem to have developed a, a confidence level in their game. Um, they still can be pretty decent golfers, but they've got this mindset. And a lot of it, too, is I equate to their personalities. If they're very outgoing and very enthusiastic and very positive people, um, certainly doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be shooting scratch when they're out in the golf course. But it adds, I think, to a better experience. They're not as hard on themselves. So when we're dealing with people, let's say, Ken, that are um, sort of downtrodden, they just don't feel good about themselves, how do you combat something like that? I mean, obviously, we're not there to be psychologists, but we want to be able to improve their golfing experience. But when you've got somebody that, that's, you know, Cindy, we've joked about this, hauling their baggage like they're on their way to, you know, catching their flight, um, and they're bringing that to the golf course, how do we deal with that? Well, I would say there are two easy things. First of all, you don't want to make this idea of knowing self complex. In other words, it doesn't require mm-hmm. a psychologist to figure it out. Right. Uh, so, you know, our personality assessment, you know, at the peril of self uh, disclosure, which we believe is very good, is it helps people to understand themselves and what their strengths and challenges are. So getting people to kind of own their own self and start managing self. So, there's actually another set, a step from self-awareness, which most people don't talk about, and that is self-mastery. And so knowing self and knowing I'm a jerk or knowing <laughs> whatever and not doing anything about it is different than now I'm going to manage self. Number two, and we all know this, but we maybe are not uh, take responsibility for it. And Martin Singelman proved this in Learned Optimism is our language matters. What we say, how we say it. Uh, I mean, he even was hired to create happiness clubs with the girl guides of the U.S. So what people say, what comes out of their, their mouth. In other words, optimism and pessimism is measurable and predictable for future success. And so how I respond to these things is a trained skill and capability that people, again, as you said, being mindful, uh, Ted, so can I be mindful of this situation? What if, and, and sometimes as coaches or people that are out there, is I actually feed back to you. They don't even know 
about how negative their language is or what they're saying and then helping them to reframe and manage how they respond. Yeah, and, and, and Cindy, I think you would agree as well. I mean, we, we've both experienced, we're both, um, you know, teacher professionals. And, and Cindy, I know that you've had um, students that have come along, particularly, you know, new students that you've worked with, and they've, they've got a very negative speak or a negative talk, if you will. They're, they're always, um, you know, second-guessing the process. They're, they're not confident in, in, in their speak. You've had to deal with that, I'm sure, many times, right, Cindy? You know, it's funny. We have a student right now who's doing our winter package, and he is a freshman in high school, and he's a twin, and his his twin is really good at hockey. So the family moved up from the panhandle, as a matter of fact, Ted, um, to play hockey for the one brother to play hockey in Buffalo. And this other one has improved immensely, but he mm. is so negative. And he was in yesterday, and it's funny because his dad and mom were both in the Air Force. And needless to say, you know, that they have training and they can be – they're resilient. And and this poor kid, I would call him a high CS in a disc assessment, Ken. Right. And every right. time he hits a bad shot, he just shakes his head no – and I, and I said, you know, honey, do you know why the ball just did that? Can you feel what you did with the club to make that happen? Again, it's, it's an awareness of what did I just do? I'm the only one touching the club. It's all about personal accountability and responsibility. I looked at his dad and I said, I almost want to say to him, you're not good enough to get this pissed off. But I don't want right. to say that because the kid's never broken 90 for 18 holes. So I said to him, Kyle, I got to tell you that there's certain levels and you're at the level where we need to break 90 and the way you're hitting the ball right now, you could break 85. So let's just work on this and not be so negative. You know, mm. it, it's kind of like it, we got to teach you to be resilient and, and resourceful and bounce back. And, and so again, I don't know what that trade is. So Ken, I'm asking you a question in a long way. I, I said to this, this young man, I said, I want you to come watch the Porter Cup this summer. The Porter Cup's one of the best amateur tournaments in the country. And I said, I want you to come watch me caddy for our son. And I said, so our son's one of the best players in the country as a mid-am. And I said, I want you to watch how bad he hits the ball and how good he scores. So my kid is a scraper. He kills it. He's always trying to get out of something that he probably doesn't deserve. Whereas this kid is browbeating himself. So help me help him, Ken. What do I say? <laughs> well, you also know that there's other inputs that come in here. You have parents. You, uh, we don't know what the family environment is in terms of what's being said to him. You know, if there's things like, you know, if you were just as good as your brother who plays hockey, if that's going right. on behind the scenes and you don't know, those are in. You kind of think about, too, here you have a, a, a junior in college. Hello, they're, they're not going to be as mature as us. So there's that side. That's the encouragement side. Now, because I also have a diploma in nutrition and genetics and was misdiagnosed with depression at 19, is uh, health foods actually shift your attitudes too. So if they're eating junk food and they're unhealthy, 
the blood sugar. And what happened was I was hypoglycemic. I wasn't depressed. So my uh, food intake also affects your attitude and some of those energies, Cindy. So, you know, we have to be holistic in working with him and then helping him just to reframe where it could be uh, just a little thing is usually when you're the, in the emotional moment, it becomes difficult to coach. You know, we do uh, relationship training, so this will be good for you, Ted. I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. I'm kidding. Is that uh, <laughs> you? There, there's a thing we we create a thing for four year olds called timeout. And why right. do we do that? Because if they get all worked up, they can't emotionally respond. That is actually true for adults. So if couples get into an argument, in my um, heartbeat goes over 100 beats per minute, non-athletic, because I'm so upset, then I'm no longer rational. So since mm-hmm. the conversation has to happen completely outside of the event and start getting him to own how he responds. So it's not so when he's browbeating himself and he's upset, not that's not the time to change his behavior. It has to be pre-event. And start getting to think about it. So, okay, what are the strategies? What am I going to say differently? What are you saying now? And start working through some alternative scenarios for himself and then holding him accountable to say, oh, I do say that. So, you know, one of the things we do in coaching of leaders is we'll, we get them to break the habit of however and but and no. And every time they uh, say those words to other individuals, say, Let's say somebody says something in their team, and they say, well, no, but. Uh, that mm-hmm. dis- discounted everything. We charge them 20 bucks. Uh, <laughs> so, <but> we can <laughs> have, we've had some CEOs have $1,000 on the table at the end of dinner. So that's <laughs> why I didn't say that. So that's part of that is making that awareness. So here are CEOs that are paid millions of dollars a year unaware of their habits. So, Cindy, I think you just you start small and – Here's the reality. He's doing it now. So how can we can take, you know, I love uh, Bill Murray, baby steps to uh, convert how he's thinking about himself. And will he get it to the other side or not? It's it's still his choice. Got it. Yeah, I I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, great, uh, great answer. Um, We're here with Dr. Ken Keyes. the present CEO of Consulting Resource Group International and uh, podcast host of Secrets of Success and so many other uh, great things. And we're going to continue the conversation here in just a moment. But, Cindy, let's take a quick short pause and let the folks know uh, something that uh, you're offering as well. Well, we all know how important it is to build relationships in your business. So have a listen. Everyone knows business deals are made on the golf course. Knowing how to act is just as important as how you hit it. As an LPGA professional and corporate trainer, I offer workshops, seminars, and executive retreats to teach you how to do both. From the back nine to the boardroom, improve your team from the inside out, or Golf 101 for executives might be the perfect fit for your team. Maybe it's time to make some deals on the course. For more information, go to CindyMillerInc.com. And remember, um, go to CindyMillerInc.com after the show, and uh, all of her contact information is there. Um, all right, we're back uh, again with Dr. Ken Keese, uh, and we're, we're talking about really 
if I was to sum it up, uh, Ken, I think really the, the mental game is, is where a lot of people fall short. I mean, it, I think it's easier to teach the physical game uh, to most golfers, mm-hmm. but it's very, very difficult uh, to help them to understand um, how to come. And, and I think one of the issues, and we talk about this, Cindy, uh, on the show before, and that is to, to really practice with purpose, um, have a purpose when you come to the golf course, not just to play the game, but to, to actually have some sort of a game plan. So can you talk, Ken, a little bit about that? How do we find purpose, uh, particularly for those of us that want to go out and, and do our best on the golf course? And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we've got a lot of baggage and a lot of issues. Obviously, it's a process. Um, but uh, how, wh- what can you suggest that, to help those listening to the show if they're trying to find a purpose, how they can organize their thoughts in such a way to do that? Well, again, big question, right? So uh, <laughs> well, you're talking about maybe uh, like, you always like to uh, ask the simple ones, Ted. I love that. So the um, I'm glad we have a sense of humor while I'm just waking up here this morning. Is when right. we think about there's, there's micro purposes, but then there's also the purpose of life. And if, you know, if we're, if we're coaching kids, we really have to allow them the time to kind of evolve. The last research around the reflective mind is that it really doesn't even anchor until we're, you know, 18, 19, 20 years of age. And my wife used to work at a university as an academic coach, and that's why most first-year students change their major 25 times, is they're just figuring it out, right? And so purpose, in when you think about my latest book, The Quest for Purpose, and actually we're going to give that as a gift at the end of the show here. We have a special uh, place to, for you to go and download it, is life leaves clues. And so what we want to do is start paying attention to those things that really excite us, that really engage us, that we enjoy, that are reflective for us. A lot of times in life, especially if somebody's younger, the life that they're leading is what everybody else said that I should be doing, not what internally motivates me. And I remember doing a workshop uh, for a group when I first got in this industry way back in 1989, and we were doing our values assessments, and the person in the back says, you know, none of these, none of these values are fulfilled in my life. And I said, well, why is that? He says, well, my whole life I've lived what my parents want, not what I want. So I mm-hmm. think part of, of – of people getting clear about how I have purpose is that we start paying attention to those things that really are exciting, that are uh, energizing for us. Uh, sometimes, Ted, it could be that I'm actually in, enjoying what I'm doing, but I'm not enjoying who I'm doing it with. So you, you right. see this in pro sports. You know, we're, we're tennis phenoms as far as watching that sport more than any sport. And you even see how the pros are changing their coaches. Because there was just mm-hmm. something, some dynamic in the relationship that what didn't have the chemistry. And that's important as well. It might not be the right. individual themselves. It could be the industry between these two people. And maybe we just can't force that relationship to have that chemistry that we need. So that, that environment and relationships contribute to it as well, Ted. Yeah, and I think you have to find your own purpose. You're, you're exactly right in, in your analogy. I mean, wh- one of the, the problems is, and, and as you sort of touched on earlier, is we're, we're getting a lot of dialogue fed to us, whether it be from parents or from friends or from maybe, uh, you know, as we get a little bit older, uh, people who are part of our lives. And depending on what information is coming in, it then gets imprinted in our internal dialogue. And that can affect uh, not just out in the golf course, of course, but that affects other areas of your life. So I think you have to really understand and find your own purpose 
and and then you have to sort of um, I, I think surround yourself with people who support that. You know, once you've discovered what it is that that you enjoy and what makes you happy, you have to then have people that support that uh, process because I think a lot of times, you know, we we get out there, we've got good ideas and we've got things that we want to do or say, and all of a sudden somebody kicks the you know the proverbial chair out from underneath us because they say, well, you don't want to do that or you can't do that, and then we start again developing that internal dialogue. So that's something too. I think we have to be uh, cautious up. Would you agree with that, Ken? Uh, well, actually, I have a statement, so uh, we should do more interviews <laughs> together. You're so good. Is um, every every single person in the planet today with social media and that has an opinion. Very few people mm-hmm. have wisdom. And right. you know, the other research shows is that really my life starts to evolve or reflect my five closest friends. So that's important. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is because we always want this sort of social cred or acceptance, uh, many people um, worry of what other people think. And the reality right. is, is nobody else is going to live your life, and it might not be easier as a younger person, but even older. Oh, mom, dad, you're not going to do that. That's a silly thing. You're not going to go back on the tour, Cindy, are you? So everybody has these opinions, and you're right is to surround yourself with people who are supportive. And the, the reality is, as we get older, is that we can't be worrying about what other people think. Because very soon, the life that you're leading is what everybody else wants, not what you want. Now, it doesn't mean right. uh, I still believe you need to have seek wise counsel, have great coaches, mm-hmm. have advisors around you, but ones that you trust that you have vetted versus, uh, yeah. again, everybody has an opinion, but very few people yeah. have wisdom. Yeah, you're, you're right. Um, you know, and this is something, too, you know, you're starting to see this now. Um, Cindy, I've started to notice it with some of the, the folks that, uh, that we've had on the show, that uh, both this and, and the other program I do, Golf Talk Live Thursdays, um, that are starting to adopt this principle in their teaching. You know, obviously, again, we're not psychologists and, and, and therapists, but we're starting to understand the individual psyche a little bit better. And because we are all individuals and different from one another, we have to treat each other differently. So even as a, as a coach or a teach professional, when we've got students coming in, we might have five or six students in a session. If we're doing group sessions, um, we have to look at each individual a little bit differently and not try to teach them all and put them all in the same box because everybody reacts differently to certain situations. And uh, we don't know what's going on outside of the golf course that could be influencing what they do when they come uh, to the lesson tee. So those are things to, uh, to uh, consider as well. Um, Cindy, go ahead. I know you probably have some other things that you want to ask Ken. So if someone's listening and they want to reach out to get more information, how would they do that, Ken? And tell us exactly what you do for individuals and corporations and teams. Okay, well, there's, there's two sites that we can send you to. So if you want to learn about all these assessments, and by the way, I don't believe, Ted, that we, um, and thanks, Cindy, for asking the question, is that the only person who can know themselves is themselves. So this idea that a psychologist is the only person qualified to tell you who you are, I don't believe in that. Right. I believe that we are facilitators right. to your own clarity. So they can go to crgleader.com and learn about the assessments and tools. And so, you know, HR departments, learning departments, leaders, organizations all around the world access those tools and schools as well, because what you're saying earlier 
Ted, that's why I wrote the book, Why Aren't You More Like Me? <laughs> so is, is to understand ourselves. And now for my free gift that, uh, to give you my purpose book is Ken Keys. Now, Ken Keys, Keys is spelled K-E-N-K-E-I-S dot com slash golf. I don't know where I got that from. And there's a hidden URL so that you can uh, download that book. And what we do for people is the tools and resources and assessments. Somebody can go to my site right now and order the values of the personality assessment and take it and, and take it within a couple of minutes. So it doesn't require certification to use our tools. We believe in learning for the benefit of the individual. And like you, Cindy, I travel around the world as a corporate speaker, trainer, consultant, uh, as a company, as a team here, training other professionals on our assessments or even just deploying a, 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 a training program or a workshop for them or doing a keynote presentation. Awesome. Awesome. Very good. Um, and Sorry, go ahead, Cindy. So one more question. Exactly tell us what the book is about. If you sent me Why Are You Not More Like Me, which I love. Thank you so much. But tell us about the book on, on purpose. Well, Ted, you asked this question about purpose. So interesting enough, in 1989 when I got into this industry, I knew I was supposed to speak, but I didn't know about what and who. And uh, Richard Bowles, who's now passed away, he was 92 when he passed away, he wrote the book What Colors Your Parachute. And you know, it was New York Times bestseller. And what I did with the purpose book is this question of what should you do in your life is too big. And so I created really a roadmap, a step-by-step process, which I went through in 1989 with a gentleman named Mike McManus. I hired a coach back then when coaching wasn't big. And he took me through and took six months. So we really get people to do the work to get clear. I mean, you don't show up at the course and be a pro-am or a pro-golfer just that over the weekend because I decided on Friday. But most people play life that way. So the, but on the other side, they don't know the questions to ask. So the, the quest for purpose is a roadmap. It includes some assessments or mentions of them. There is narrative questions. There is reflective questions. I get people to do journaling. And we really want them to start paying attention to all elements of their life, not any single item, and so that they can feel whole. So, I mean, even though I might have this great sort of uh, uh, hobby, maybe my career life's not doing so well, or a career is well, but my family, I'm just suffering there, or health and wellness. We really look at all of that in the book. And so you do the work, but it's a roadmap to figure that out. That's awesome. And what's the link again? It's Ken Keys, K-E-N-K-E-I-S dot com backslash golf. Awesome. Excellent. Well, we want to thank you for, yeah, we want to thank you, Ken, first off, for for providing that to our our listeners. Um, And if, uh, again, if you want to get your copy of uh, Ken's uh, ebook, it's the Quest for Purpose, a self-discovery process to find it and live it. Uh, you can go to KenKeys.com uh, backslash golf, and it's K-E-N-K-E-I-S.com backslash golf. Um, I, I just want to ask uh, just one final question based on what you had just said, Ken, and that is 
you know, you talked about things at home and you talked about things at work and that. And obviously, um, some parts of your life can be going very, very well. But obviously, if there's a chink in some of that armor, eventually it can sort of overlap into other areas. So um, I, I think understanding, as you said, uh, self-awareness, uh, understanding yourself in all aspects, in all areas uh, is, a, is, a, is important because uh, I think a lot of people, and men are particularly bad at this, but um, you know, if, if things are not going well at home or in some area, uh, they tend to bury themselves in the area uh, of their life, whether it be work or elsewhere, uh, to avoid that. So I think it's important. Would you agree, or, or how would you, you sort of summarize that? Well, we take wherever we are, wherever we go. <laughs> so so all, life, all things in life are affecting us to think that, okay, uh, if things are struggling at home, we, we call it uh, – we actually have another scale, and it's in the book, uh, Cindy, that I gave you on readiness and willingness, is that we all have stuff that's affecting us. So maybe you have a colleague, and they've always been on time, and they've always worked well, and then something seems to be off. And then you find out that you know uh, things at home aren't going well. There's go- a separation that's occurring. Well, we know that that actually can have more negative effects on you than even the death of a significant other. So uh, we have to be aware that these stressors do affect us. Well said. Well, Ken, we want to thank you very much for for joining us this morning here on the Women of Golf Show. It's been very uh, an eye opener, and I hope that the the listeners take away from this. I know we didn't talk a lot of golf here on the show uh, today, but we wanted to really uh, give them uh, a little different perspective and something to think about. And obviously, they can reach out and get more information. So, the best way to to reach out to you, Ken, if they're interested in learning more and and maybe taking some of the assessments, where can they go to do that? Well, they can just go to our main site, the crgleader.com, C-R and G, and then the word leader.com, and all the information about what we do is there, and so they can just reach out, do the contact form, and thanks again for having me on. I had some fun with you this morning. Thank you so much, Ken. Really appreciate it. You're yeah, we appreciate too. you getting up Yeah, getting up early and spending some time with us, and uh, we, we thank you for that. <laughs> And uh, we hope you enjoy the rest, the rest of your day. Um, but uh, thank you very much, thank Ken, you. and uh, all the best. Okay, thank you. Thank you both. Bye-bye. All right, that was uh, Dr. Ken Keyes, um, one of the foremost global authorities on behavioral assessment. Um, and, and, you know, Cindy, it's very interesting. He's offered a, a very special gift for our listeners uh, we'll tell them uh, that once again here in just a moment. But um, you've obviously had the opportunity to to work with um, Ken a little bit and, and obviously uh, read some of his, his books. What do you find most um, that he's been able to – is there anything specific that he's been able to help you with? Well, you know what? I think it's it's just awareness, awareness. Do you really know yourself? And how you think people perceive you may not be the truth. So like he mentioned, 95% of the people think they know themselves. And when you ask others what their opinion and how they perceive you, they, you're about 10% right. You think you're 95% right, right but you're 10% right. So, so be aware of the reactions of others and, and, Again, it, it, for me, it comes back down to my it box, you know. What 
Are you willing to get off the nail and do something about it? Do you want to just keep hitting it bad or do you want to get better? It could be, you know, your golf game, your business, or your life. And then are you willing to really look in the mirror and find out who you are and become aware of it, number one? And then are you willing to try to master yourself? And then number two, plant the seed and do something about it. So that's what this is all about, in my opinion. Well said. And uh, just one more time, we're going to make you all aware of um, Ken's very generous offer. Um, I've already downloaded my copy, of course, but um, for those of you that are interested in getting a copy of his free ebook, uh, The Quest for Purpose, A Self-Discovery Process to Find It and Live It, uh, you can go to kenkeys.com uh, forward slash golf, and it's K-E-N-K-E-I-S dot com forward slash uh, golf. And uh, it uh, looks to be like a very interesting book, and I'm going to be uh, digging into to my copy, and I will also... Uh, post it up in the link uh, to uh, my social media pages as well. For those of you that uh, um, maybe aren't going to tune in until a little bit later, you can access it uh, directly from uh, uh, from my Facebook account and, and so forth. But uh, Cindy, very interesting guest. I really enjoyed uh, having him, and uh, we'll have to have him back on again, uh, perhaps on a future show as well. But uh, what have you got cooking? I know you're getting ready here a little bit later this week. Uh, remind the folks you're going to be heading down to Orange County National. We are. We're going to Orange County for two boot camps for uh, juniors, and then we've got an adult boot camp. And uh, just a side note, anybody that wants free golf tips, go to cindymillerinc.com forward slash improve. So if you're interested in getting free video golf tips to help you get better, cindymillerinc.com forward slash improve. And I can guarantee you, uh, that you will yield results from doing so. So make sure you, you do that. Um, Cindy, it's always a pleasure. I look forward. To, um, next week, I believe, uh, we are going to have back on the show uh, Gianna Rojas. Uh, for those of you that uh, aren't familiar with her, uh, Gianna is referred to as the one-handed lady golfer. Um, and she is a, an inspiration. I met her face-to-face for the first time. Of course, she's been a guest a number of times on our show uh, both here and on uh, my other program, uh, Golf Talk Live. And uh, she really is an advocate, if you will, for those that maybe have uh, disabilities. And she's trying to make them aware that if she's able to go out there and play golf uh, with her uh, disability, that you can as well. And she's trying to encourage and empower uh, literally the millions of people around the world. And she's been getting a lot of notoriety over the last several years. So uh, she's going to be coming on next week on the show. So we're looking forward to that as well. And as always, Cindy, um, good luck down at boot camp. Um, I know that you're working uh, and Alan are diligently working to help uh, golfers improve and just to have a great experience. So uh, good luck with that next week. And as always, uh, I enjoy uh, partnering up with you, and I think we're going to have to add that no BS zone to our show. I think it could be a lot of fun. I we'll agree. have some fun with that. I think, I think I we got to spice. Yeah, we got to we got to spice it up a little bit on the show. So we may uh, I, I may throw in a, a no BS zone for next week. So, but on that note, thank you on behalf of uh, Cindy Miller and I'm Ted Odorico. Welcome and thank you uh, for joining us this week on the Women of Golf Show, and we'll see you next time. Uh, here uh, on the Women of Golf. God bless everybody. Thanks, Cindy. Bye-bye. Thanks.
Thanks for listening this morning to the Women of Golf Show. Tune in live each week by visiting blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. If you can't join us live, check out our on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. To get updates for future shows and upcoming guests, you can follow us on Facebook at Women of Golf. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO and Cindy at Cindy Miller Golf. Please remember to join us next week on the Women of Golf Show. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.